this series, we've been looking at modern-day parables, uh, that is, modern-day popular movies, and finding biblical truths found in these popular films. Uh, and, you know, Jesus in the Gospels often taught in story, parables. And that's really what we have in movies. And today will be no different other than we're looking at a Christmas movie. We're getting into the Christmas spirit here today. And uh, the movie we're going to look at today is one in which many of you probably watch at least Grinch. And we're going to look at the most modern rendition, uh, a cartoon version. It's actually become my favorite version uh, of the Grinch. And uh, there's so much, so much truth, so much, honestly, beauty and power in the film in and of itself. We could spend the next several weeks on it. Uh, but we're going to kind of skim the surface today. If you've never seen the Grinch, uh, it is about this uh, green creature. I don't know what else to call him. Who... He, he was really sort of alone, outcasted from his community, uh, really had no one to celebrate Christmas with years when he was younger. And because of that, he really developed this like bitterness and, and offense uh, towards the people of Whoville. And that bitterness kind of formed into to envy, kind of longing for what they had, uh, which eventually boiled up into anger. Uh, which then led to him stealing Christmas, which obviously we know you cannot steal Christmas, but he stole their gifts and their decor and all the things. Uh, and what we see throughout this movie um, is, number one, that he could not steal Christmas, but number two, we see the kindness of a little girl, Cindy Lou Who, uh, really leads to a change, a falling out of the frozen heart of the Grinch. And uh, today I want to talk to you really from this angle of how do we guard against our own Grinch? Because we are all susceptible to the very things the Grinch fell victim to. Bitterness, uh, unforgiveness, uh, envy, and anger. And we're going to talk and really glean some, some, some truth from this movie on how we can guard against our own Grinch and not let the Grinch steal our joy this Christmas. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, that you are a speaking God, and we thank you as we open up your word today that you have a word for us, and we humble ourselves um, under the teaching of your word to receive what you want to say, and we honor you today in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, as I have in the previous messages in this series, we're going to kind of show a clip and then dive into a point. We have three clips and three points today, and uh, let me set up this first clip, and this first clip really sets the, the tone of what the Grinch does in attempting to steal Christmas because this first clip uh, shows really where the bitterness and the anger came from uh, his childhood. So let's go ahead and watch this clip and then we'll come back with point one. You can see the bitterness begin to rise up in the Grinch and take hold of his heart. So if we're going to guard against bitterness in our own life, what do we have to do is we have to forgive others. We have to learn how to forgive others and release offense. Proverbs 18, 19 says, An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. It means that when we're offended, we will push away people. You know, when we're offended, we will push away the very thing we want in life. See, the Grinch wanted community, but his offense caused him to push away people. 
when we're offended at somebody, if we're honest with ourselves, what we want is peace and reconciliation. But our offense will push that far away from us. Offense will build walls around our heart. Deuteronomy 29, 18, the Lord was speaking to the people of God and he says this, I'm making this covenant with you so that no one among you will turn away from the Lord our God to worship the gods of other nations. And then watch this, what he says. And so that no root among you bears bitter and poisonous fruit. Let me give you context. The Lord was referring to a plant that was common then. It was called wormwood. A wormwood plant would have these fruits that looked very appealing to the eyes. But as you bit into the fruit, it was bitter upon taste, and it would eventually make you sick. And what was happening in the context of that group was that people were being offended. And he says, and he says offense is just like this wormwood plant. That offense feels good initially. And if you ever be offended, right, the reason we fall victim to offense is because it feels good initially. Come on, somebody. Would we agree? Like, it feels good to be angry for a moment. I'm going to get vengeance. If offense never felt good, we wouldn't be offended. But it feels good for a moment. But God says it's just like that wormwood plant. You bite the fruit of offense, it's bitter eventually. And that bitterness, Hebrews 12, 15 says this, Bitterness will defile many. How many of you know you have never met someone who's been bitter or offended? And then when you look back on your life, you know, you said that those three months I was offended. I'm glad I was offended for three months. Come on, somebody. Right? Nobody says that. Nobody said, I'm glad I was bitter for three years over what my ex did. Said no one ever. Right? It's quite the opposite. We say, I wish I could take that time back that I remained bitter over what they did. And here's what God says. Listen, that when you are offended, you are only hurting yourself. Bitterness is like drinking poison, thinking you're hurting the other person. And you're only damaging the inside of you. That bitterness, listen, bitterness over what your ex did to you is only hurting you. Bitterness over what your father did to you is only hurting you. Bitterness over what that coworker said about you, it's only hurting you. To be offended, to be bitter, and we see what it did to, to the Grinch. So what do we do? Proverbs 19.11 tells us this. Good sense makes one slow to anger. And it is to his glory to overlook an offense. It says it's actually beneficial for you to learn how to overlook offenses. I remember years ago when I was in high school, I was playing basketball. Being physical. And my coach told us before the game, he said, don't let their physical nature rattle you. Don't let it get on the inside of your head. Hey, watch this. Don't let the offenses of people rattle you. Learn how to be unoffendable. Do you want to shine the light in our culture today? Can I say this? I think you would agree with me. We live in a culture today that's easily offended. Let me give you examples. People are offended 
by social media posts made by someone they don't even know. It's like, why are you offended? Because it's tweet. Do you know that person? No. Okay. Or we're offended at public figures who we have no relationship with. Listen, listen. And you're only hurting yourself. And watch this. The majority, here's what I've learned. The majority of things that I can fall victim to be offended at are not personal. I make them personal. Think about it. Probably most of the things that happened to you, that person cutting you off on, that, on, the, on the beltway, come on, somebody. They weren't thinking about you. That public figure, they are not thinking about you at all when they say those things. Most people that we'll get offended with, it's actually not about us. Watch this. The adversary, our enemy of our soul, wants us to make it about us so that we bite the fruit of offense, so that we become bitter, so that we'll become sick in our souls. This is what's happening in our easily, you want to shine the light of Christ? Become an unoffendable person in an easily offended culture. You know one of my goals in life? I want to be a hard to offend person. I'm not where I want to be yet, but I want to be like a hall. I want to be like Cindy Lou Who. Come on. At the end of the movie, she knocks on the Grinch's door and she invites him to Christmas dinner. And he says, I stole your Christmas. She's like, Well, come on. Come on. That girl's hard to offend. Right? I want to be like that. Because it's for our benefit to be a hard to offend person. And listen, let me just say this. Here's why it's important. Because you need to protect your peace. Why would we let somebody we don't even know take our peace? Or why would we let somebody who what they did is not even personal, but we let them rob our peace for days or for weeks on end? Why? Because we allowed a fence to take root in our heart. Now, because we live in a world full of humans... There will become times where people will intentionally offend you. It just, it's a matter of, of life. Or unintentionally, but no matter what, it offends you. What do you do in those moments? Here's what Paul says, Colossians 3.13. He says, forgive others. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Whoops. He goes on to say this. He says, the, he says, remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Hey, watch this. You know what helps me personally? Again, I'm, I'm a work in progress on this. But what helps me when I find myself having a hard time forgiving someone else, here's what helps me, is I remember what Christ has forgiven me of. Hey, that every prideful moment you've had, God's forgiven you of. And listen, some of you think this message is not for you. You think it's for somebody else. So that last statement was for you. Come on, somebody. Some of you get that. Every, every moment greed grips your heart, God's forgiven you. Every lustful thought you've had, God's forgiven you. Every envious moment where you were discontent with your life and you wish you had somebody else's life, God's forgiven you. Every moment when you, you felt prompted to do something good and you knew you were supposed to, but you didn't, come on, God's forgiven you. And when you allow fully the forgiveness of God to, to be embraced in your heart, 
it will transform you to becoming a more forgiving person and to become someone who is hard to offend. Be Cindy Lou Who, not the Grinch. Come on. Here's a second clip. This clip is towards the end of the movie. Um, what happened was the Grinch stole Christmas. He stole the decor and the gifts and so forth. Of course, we couldn't steal Christmas. And he thought, man, the Who's are going to be angry or they're going to be sad. But what we see is they start singing and they're expressing gratitude for what they have. So let's go ahead and watch this clip and we'll come back. I love what the mother says to Cindy Lou Who. Because Cindy Lou Who's all discouraged that their stuff's gone. And the mom says, he didn't steal Christmas. He just stole some stuff. And then she expresses gratitude because I still have you. And here's the second thing that we need to do in order to guard against the Grinch rising up in our own hearts. Is we have to express gratitude. Express gratitude. It's so simple, yet it's so powerful. The Grinch was, was gripped with envy. He was longing for the life the Who's had. And here's what envy will do to you, Proverbs 14, 30. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but an envy rots the bones. We see that happening with the Grinch. That envy, just that, that, that envy, that jealousy is rotting from the inside. James 4, 2, James says, you want what you do not have. He says, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. James says that jealousy and envy leads to destruction in our lives. And an MIT professor back in the early 2000s did some research. It was right after Facebook first came out. For some of you who are old enough, Facebook, who came out in 2006, it first rolled out to Harvard University. And then it kind of slowly rolled out to different colleges in the early 2000s. And when he kind of first saw this, he was intrigued by it. And this was kind of before Instagram and TikTok. Uh, back then, my, MySpace was still going strong. Come on, somebody. Anybody else? You still rock that MySpace account? Let's go. Let's go. Bring it back. Actually, don't bring it back. Uh, so he wanted to study... What does, what does Facebook or social media do to these college students' mental well-being? And it was kind of really groundbreaking. Of course, now there's been lots of research, but that was fairly new. So he did a pre and post test. So before Facebook came to the college, he did a study of their mental well-being. And then a year after Facebook, he did a study of their mental well-being. And here's what he found. It's pretty intriguing. He said, college-wide access to Facebook has led to an increase in severe depression by 7% and anxiety disorders by 20%. He said that in general, this was his conclusion back then, that Facebook leads to mental distress in college students. Now, here's what he said was the root of it. Ready for this? He said that actually social media use increases social comparison, which leads to envy, which leads to poor mental health. Listen, this isn't a bashing social media. This is saying this, you need to guard your heart from comparison because comparison will rob your joy. Several months ago, I took one of my children, if you don't know, we have three kids, took one of my children out to a sporting event 
we had dinner and had, had a great time at the game, had ice cream. And while Christina was home with our other two kids, she thought, I'm going to make the night special for them since I'm home with them. So we're going to have a movie night and we're going to have some ice cream. And I had a great time kind of on this dad date with my, one of my children. And then we got home. And as they walked into the door, uh, one of my and said, we watched a movie and we had some ice cream. And the child who I just had an amazing time with said, you did what? <laughs> Joy gone. You had what kind of ice cream? You watched what movie? Hey, but listen, we've all been there, haven't we? You have a great vacation until you see your friend's vacation on the uh, Instagram. And then all of a sudden you're like, my vacation wasn't that good. Or come on, this time of year, you think your house is decorated beautifully. <laughs> until you see that friend that you recently unfollowed. Come on, somebody. Because you're like, my house looks terrible. <sighs> right? Or you think, man, everything is going great in your career until you hear what your college roommate's promotion. And you're like, gosh, this is, my, my career is in the, in the dumps. Here, watch this. This is why the Apostle Paul says that those who compare themselves amongst themselves are not wise. Because comparison will rob you of your joy. Kind of help you out. Listen, right there. This is Jeremy. I was helping you out for the rest of your life. Write this down. There is always someone who has it better than you. Always. And the adversary of your soul will make sure you follow them on Instagram. They will make sure that you, you, they will make sure that they come across your path so the enemy reminds you, you don't have it that good. And can I tell you, listen, the enemy wants you to live discontent and disgruntled, lacking joy to where the good, listen, to where you can't even see what's good in your life because you're comparing your life to somebody else's life. And the Bible says that envy is rotting your bones. Be careful this time of year. Because you will find someone who will have a better Christmas than you. I guarantee it. Someone who gets, you, you're like, oh, I got, a, I got a new car. And then you see somebody else's car. I got a new outfit. Then you see somebody else's outfit. Always be careful about comparison because it will rob you of your joy. So what do we do? Let's lend to what the Apostle Paul says. He says, be thankful in some circumstances. He says, be thankful on your good days. Be thankful when you get that promotion. Be thankful for that large year-end bonus. No, he says, be thankful when you get promoted and when you get laid off. Be thankful when your health is great and when it's not so great. Be thankful when everything is going great at home and when you have tension. He's not saying be thankful for those things. Here's, here's, the, here's, the, here's a pro tip, ready? Right? Let's help your life. He says, find something to be grateful for in all circumstances. Hey, maybe your job's not going well, but you can thank God you had to have a job to go to tomorrow. Hey, hey maybe, maybe you've had some issues with your kids, but you can thank God that you have kids to raise. Be thankful in all circumstances. I, I got tested this week in this personally. So we had a, um, 
a dripping faucet in our house. And I thought to myself, dripping faucet, it's simple enough. Call a plumber. He'll stop the drip, right? It can't be that complicated. It's drip. It was complicated. The word to the plumber, I quote, he comes out, he says, I have never seen something like this. I said, you mean good, right? That's good. That's good, right? That wasn't good. It wasn't good. And then I had to release the fence and forgive the previous owners of the house. Come on, somebody. Because it was in part their fault. So I had to apply point one. Then I got to point two. And I was a little frustrated for a few hours. I'm not going to lie. You can ask Christina. I was a little, I was a little, I'm like, come on, December is a high expense month. Come on, somebody. I'm like, you know, Christmas morning. Hey, kids, guess what? Come outside. I'm going to show you what I got you. Unwrap this. It's a new faucet. <laughs> Any other parents want to do that because you put so much money into your house? You're like, hey, kids, guess what? For Christmas this year, we got a new HVAC. See, I was going to get you a toy, but then the HVAC went up. Come on. We were going to get this, but Dad had to replace this window. And windows cost a lot of money. But I, here's the moment I had, to, I had to do. I had to. I stopped myself, and I believe it was the Holy Spirit. And I thanked God that we had the means to be able to cover the dripping faucet. And can I tell you what it did? It shifted the internal atmosphere of my heart. Because all of a sudden, I said, okay, God. And here's my challenge for you. Maybe you had a really hard week. Maybe you had a really difficult month. But you can find something to be grateful for. You know, the New York Times did an article this year. where They did this kind of looked at different studies of the power of gratitude. You know what they found? Through a variety of studies. So a meta-analysis that gratitude lessens the symptoms of anxiety and depression and increases your self-esteem and life satisfaction. It's simple yet powerful. That's why the psalmist says this in Psalm 118, 24. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Like, I don't know what today holds, but I got something to be grateful for today. Do you know what the New York Times article said? Here's the key. Again, it's so simple, but I'm telling you, it will change your spiritual and emotional health. Here's what they found. Here's the key. Ready? Write this down. This will help you tomorrow morning. He says, every day. Here's the key to experience the benefits of gratitude. You have to express gratitude every day. Every day. Watch this. You don't have to take like two hours and, and write down 37 things. Just one thing. But be specific. So don't just say, well, thank you, God, for this day. Like, like, thank you, God, for a great dinner with family last night. God, thank you for that meeting going so well at work yesterday. And then unique. So you thank him for something different every day. So you're not just thanking him every day for the same thing. So I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you tomorrow morning's gratitude. Ready? You can thank God for the great sermon Pastor Jeremy preached in church. <laughs> I'm just helping your mental health, people, okay? I'm here every Sunday. Write that down. Some of you didn't write that down. It's okay, though. I'm not offended because I release offense, not forgiven you. <laughs> be daily, be specific, be unique. This is why we start our, our worship services with praise. It's not like haphazard. It's intentional. Psalms 104, enter his gates, not with mourning, not with complaining. Come on, somebody. 
with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Because why? Something happens when you start your day and you say, God, thank you for this day. Thank you. When's the last time you just thank God for saving your soul? When's the last time you just thank God for forgiving your sins? When's the last time you thanked him for that job you have, for the family in your home, for the friends in your life? When's the last time? Enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. That's all we started singing, joy to the Lord. We were singing, we were praising God. We were thanking God for who he is. It's got powerful. Express gratitude. Here's my last and final clip today. This is now um, what, what I think is the turning point of the movie. It's actually um, kind of towards the latter half of the movie, but it really is when, when the Grinch's heart begins to change. And it changes because of the kindness of Cindy Lou Who. So let's check out this clip, and then we'll come back with a third and final point. You can see the heart of the Grinch begins to change because of Cindy Lou Who's kindness that she wanted to help her mom. Come on, I'm going to show my kids that clip to remind them to help out their mom and dad this Christmas season. Uh, but it's, it's, it's kindness. And again, this is simple, but I'm telling you, it's powerful, both scripturally and in the research. It's how do we guard against the Grinch in our own heart is we act with kindness. We act with kindness. The Grinch was acting out of anger and frustration. The Bible says, do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Have you ever done something foolish because you're angry or frustrated? I know I have. Come on, you sent that email that you wish you could have pulled back? Or you, re you reacted with that word to your spouse that you wish you could have pulled back? Or you replied too quickly to that text that you wish you had not sent. We've all been there. Or we've done something in frustration or anger that we later regret. And the Bible says to not react out of our anger. In fact, Paul said this in verse 31 of Ephesians 4. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. You know, Paul also wrote this, that when we go to bed angry, we give the devil a foothold into our life. That it actually opens up the door to our adversary to, to do, again, it, it hurts us. It doesn't hurt, it hurts us more than it even hurts other people when we hold on to anger and frustration. You know, a couple weeks ago we had our pest control uh, company come out and uh, with, when, with a cold weather, weather hit is the time of year when lots of mice come indoors. And so he did this sort of like preventative um, maintenance of how to keep mice out of your house. I said, well, what do you fully do? I want the full package. Come on, somebody. He says, I put out bait stations outside the house. I then seal off the entry points within the house. I then lay traps if they get through those two things. I said, give, give me all of it, okay? And, and here's what he was doing. He was taking every measure possible to get rid of any rodents in your house. Paul says, take every measure possible to get anger out of your heart, to get malice and rage and harshness and slander and frustration. Don't allow it to take root in your heart. Why? Because you're giving room for the devil to do a work in your life when you do so. 
to do everything. Now, I think there's lots of things you can do. You can talk to a trusted friend. You can talk to your counselor. Both are great ideas. Go for long walks, kind of cool down, do deep breathing. I'm going to tell you what I've, I've learned. Remember, actually, several years ago, I was, I was frustrated at someone, or someone did something that I was feeling frustration. It was my feeling. And here's what I, I found. I allowed frustration, much like I did offense, to, to eat my lunch for a little while. And then what I know is the Holy Spirit prompted me to pray about the situation. And here's what I did. I prayed about the situation and for that person. Did God change the person? I don't really know. Did God change the situation? He didn't. Did God change my heart? Absolutely. Can I tell you one of the best ways you can cool down from anger? is to pray. I remember years ago, a mentor told me, it's hard to stay angry when angry towards someone that you're praying for. And I'm telling you, I found it to be true in my own life. It softens your heart and it protects your life from the danger of anger in your life. Proverbs eleven seventeen says, those who are kind benefit themselves, but the cruel bring ruin on themselves. You know, the Psychological Cognitive Sciences Journal, they did this study where they measured um, people's sensitivity to pain. And what, what we know from some other research is that when we are kind or we're, or we're generous, that actually it, it releases feel-good chemicals in our brain, like um, endorphins and serotonin, like different chemicals are released when we actually are, are generous or we're kind. So they measured our sensitivity to pain before and after someone gave to charity. And they actually found after giving to charity, what they did, they had this little electrical shock. And they found that actually it was the same degree of shock, but people reported less pain after they were kind and generous. And they brought this conclusion that actually when we are kind to other people, not only does the research show it increases our own happiness and joy, but it also lessens our sensitivity to pain around us. Why? Because the Bible says those who are kind benefit themselves. Paul said this in the same scripture. After he says, get rid of anger, he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you. He says, be kind. Several months ago, my kids were home and um, all three of my kids and I wanted to, having three children, young children, there's a lot of sibling rivalry and conflict at times. So I told one of my kids, I said, listen, what I want you to do is I want you to look out for your siblings today. When your siblings need help, I want you to help them. When you're playing, I want you to include them. And for the next couple of hours, they did that. It only lasted two hours because they're children. Come on, somebody. Pray for me. But for a couple hours, as they were intentional, I heard them inviting their siblings in. I heard them like helping a sibling who needed help. It was beautiful. And it made me think about what Paul's saying. He's saying, when you get rid of anger and then be kind. There's something that happens in our heart when we are kind to the people around us. 
Because the Bible says this, it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Do you know why kindness is so powerful? This isn't just a self-help message. It's because when we are kind, we represent the heart of King Jesus. Because it's his kindness that changes us. I heard it said this way, that kindness is simply love in action. That you are acting out the love. Now I want to challenge us. Again, simple yet powerful. It's to act with kindness this week. You know, today, for those of you who call Catalyst Home, you know this is our Believe Offering Sunday, kind of our year-end offering that we, we give above and beyond towards the mission of our church. And it's an act of kindness. Here's why. Because of your generosity, people will hear the gospel. Because of your generosity, kids and students will be discipled. Because of your generosity, we're going to give special year-end gifts to our missions and outreach partners who are helping the hurting. You're, you're going to be kind. You know one of the most kind things you can do? is introduce people to Jesus. It is. I mean, it's great to help someone's physical need, but we all have a need within our souls. So very practically, inviting someone to our Christmas service next weekend. I'm telling you, it's, one of the, it's, it's the kindest thing you can do. Because if they receive the hope that you have in Jesus Christ, the peace beyond all comprehension, the joy of the world, I'm telling you, it's the most kind thing you could ever do for somebody else. I want to challenge this week is to act within kindness. Be, be intentional about it. Maybe check in on that neighbor. Pay for lunch of a coworker. Pay for someone's coffee behind you this week, especially if you see me behind you, okay? I'm just trying to help you help me help you, okay? <laughs> but but act with, do, do something kind for people. I'm telling you, it will help you. And it will help them, and you will represent our king to a world that desperately needs the message of Christmas. You know, the Grinch couldn't steal Christmas because Christmas is not about the decor and the gifts and all that. And I'm going to close with a sharing for me personally what I felt about a week and a half ago the Lord began to speak to my own heart. Because I love Christmas. I do. I love this time of year. I love Christmas music. I love Christmas movies. I love Christmas cookies. I love Christmas. I love it. I love all of it. But in all the busyness of this season, here's what I felt the Holy Spirit reminding me of. I know there's an old school statement, but it rings true today. Is, is Jeremy, do not forget the reason for this season. And can I tell you, can I just kind of remind all of us? Let us not forget what this season, what this holiday is really all about. It's not about parties. It's not about movies. It's not even about celebrations with family. It's not. It's about King Jesus. It's about the fact that God came to earth in the form of a baby. That a baby caused angels to declare, I have good news of great joy for all people. That there is now peace on earth because our King has come. And that peace and that joy is accessible for all of us. So let's not allow the Grinch of bitterness, of envy, or of anger to steal our joy this Christmas season. Can you bow your heads with me, church?